Welcome to the Shifting Our Schools podcast, where we believe learning never stops. We create innovative and flexible professional development opportunities that support the current research and thinking in education today. This week's podcast episode aspires to set you up to take another step forward on your personal learning journey. Now here's your host, Jeff Udick. All right, Trisha, we just got off uh, recording a great episode with Dr. Monica Burns from classtechtips.com. Such a great episode. And really what we focused in on was this idea of being efficient with your time. Which is huge. And that, you know, being efficient with our time and our energy is important all year, of course, but I would say there's no time that it's even more important than, you know, August and September. Back to school is intense. Uh, I do not think there will be a single listener who will disagree with that. So just really thinking carefully about what can I do to make my day even 10% easier is huge. Yeah, and one of the questions I like to ask when I'm working with educators around this, especially, and I think at the beginning of the school year, this is a great time to remember this. Am I working for technology or is technology working for me? And find ways to make technology help your life be more efficient. You know, if you were struggling with, and we get into this episode, bookmarks, take some time so that your bookmarks are working for you. Take time so Gmail is working for you. Like we've got to, like ed tech's job is to make your life easier right so kind of really I, I i think this is a great time of year to reflect and say like man am i finding that i'm struggling with the technology or is there a way that i am making technology work for me i think that's such a great question to be thinking about i agree jeff and sometimes it does take a little bit of investigation because often the tools that we may have been using even for years and years and years they will have new little ways that you can tweak them to make them operate better. And, and, you know, Dr. Burns does mention just even the idea of your podcast player app. How do you make that work for you? Now, some of us have had a podcast player app on our phones for over a decade, but when is the last time you went in and just checked to see what you could do differently with the settings, right? And again, almost anything that you use in the ed tech sector, if you've been using it for even just, I would say longer than two years, It's got some updates, right? They are trying to improve all the time, um, but sometimes we do need to do that extra legwork of going in and seeing how can I tweak this? How can I make this work even slightly better for me? Yeah, and I think this is a great time to mention we have a bunch of new asynchronous courses coming out that are all around this exact same thing. It's just so great that it it, it, uh, lines up with what Dr. Burns has mentioned today in her episode. But we have a course over at ShiftingSchools.com that is all about Gmail efficiency. If your school district is a Google school district and you've just been using Gmail, Gmail has changed a lot. So much. Uh, And actually their last update was just a September of last year. And so there's a different way to set up your inbox to make your inbox work for you. And so we've got a course on that. We've got a course on just Google Drive. What are some organizational things around Google Drive? Uh, Patrick Green, who's the author of the book, YouTube in the Classroom, has made a course for us all about being more efficient in using YouTube in your classroom. How do you search YouTube to find the exact video you need for your kids? That's what we're that's what we're about. And so make sure you head over to shiftingschools.com and look for those resources. And you know, again, it's in my mind too, how are you making sure that professional learning works for you, right? The thing in my mind about those courses is 
they are there so that you don't have to wait until there is a session on those things. They're there for you to dig into at your own pace from wherever it is that you would like to learn. Um, we should also put a reminder out this coming Wednesday is our third and final flash 15 minute webinar. Uh, Jeff, I, I know that you and I are big believers that all teachers are teachers of media literacy. So that very short 15 minute webinar, it's going to set you up with ready to roll resources for you to be thinking about using so that you can establish some media literacy routines. These are things that you come back to again and again. Um, and we're also big on making sure that you save your time, you save your energy. So that webinar, again, is going to give you the resources that you can just Okay, plug and play, they're, they're ready for you to adjust as needed or to just simply roll them out. Yeah, and check the website for the timing on that. Uh, we will be live streaming that everywhere on the internet. Of course, it'll be recorded. And don't forget to head over to all of our free PDFs that Trisha makes all the time. And of course, she's just released three more uh, as Trisha does. So make sure you're checking out our resource library over there, all those free resources. I don't know, Trisha, how many we have over there now. You've got to be reaching like 70 or so. We, we're getting close to 70. And listeners, they're all based on your requests. So if you, uh, again, you can contact us from the website, shiftingschools.com. But you can also reach us um, on social media at Shifting Schools anytime to let us know what else you'd like to see added to that library and we'll do our best to support. Awesome. And with that, we are so excited to have Dr. Monica Burns as a guest on today's show. She is a curriculum and ed tech consultant, author and founder of classtechtips.com. She works with schools and districts and organizations to provide actionable and engaging professional development. I'm so excited for you as we dig into this idea of efficiency and time-saving tech, ha tech hacks for educators. And with that, on with the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. Excited to be here with Dr. Monica Burns. Monica, so great to have you on the podcast. Give us a little bit about your background in education and what you're doing today as an educational consultant and everything else that you do out here to support educators. So glad to join you all today uh, for this episode. My name is Monica Burns. I'm an ed tech and curriculum consultant. I'm a former New York City public school teacher, and I've been out of the classroom for several years now leading professional development for educators around thoughtful, strategic technology integration and writing and sharing all things ed tech on my blog, classtechtips.com and my easy ed tech podcast. Very cool. Uh, we want to dig into some of the things that you've written and maybe get a little bit like just deeper into some things. So uh, one of the things that really caught our eye is you wrote in, in an Edutopia post on July 1st, and it was entitled Five Questions to Help You Make Ed Tech Decisions. And we'll make sure there's a link to that in the podcast because everybody should go read that. It's such a great article. Uh, but in that article, you wrote, quote, keeping your tool belt light is essential. Can you talk about how you learn firsthand the importance of that message? And what are some strategies that you have for educators on just doing that? Well, there is so much out there, and I definitely embrace my role as a curator of favorites and share a whole bunch of favorites. But we all know that our tool belts can get heavy if we're filling them up with too many things. We don't know what to reach for. We don't know what to use. And it can be a little overwhelming when there are really great options out there. So this article from Edutopia, and I've had a chance to blog for them for almost 10 years as a guest blogger, I was inspired by a chapter of my book 
at tech essentials or we talk about planning and making decisions. And one of those pieces is trying to keep your tool belt light. So my recommendations for folks and you know, this really came from my classroom experience of finding something bright and shiny and wanting to run towards it, you know, Um, and I'm sure many of us have felt that way. But my recommendations for folks is to focus in on some core areas or some core uh, tools in their tool belt that can help address big uh, parts of their day or frequent things that come up regularly. So that often includes an LMS or learning management system. There's a few different out there, but many times it's just a matter of embracing our place, right? Where we've been asked to go. What is everyone using? What can we do that is consistent with what students see or family see during different parts of the day? So really embracing that place is one big part of your tool belt, your learning management system. I think it's important to have an open-ended creation tool, something you can use multiple times in multiple ways. So if you're working with a group of third graders, you could use that same tool during a social studies or science lesson, different parts of the year. Or if you're working with high school students, you might revisit it multiple times or they might see it pop up in another class or coursework. So I've had the pleasure of working with the Adobe team, Adobe Express, formerly Spark is a really great example of this. I've done some work with a book creator team. They're another great example of an open-ended creation tool. So not just for math tutorials, not just for reading journals, right? But something you could revisit a few different times. So having a tool belt with core tools like those um, allows for that flexibility, setting up kids for success. And of course, there might be ones that pop in and out over the school year, but really committing to some core multi-purpose tools um, is a big part of what I talk about in the article and in the book too. Yeah, like one, of, one of the things, sorry, go ahead, Trisha. I was just going to say, I, I, I love that idea because I think sometimes educators feel the sense of almost like peer pressure to know mm-hmm. how to do all the things or, you know, there's so many apps that are constantly coming out, being marketed, and it's not necessarily that you need to be um, just well-versed in 20 different tools, yeah. but it's almost like going to the grocery store, right? Like, what are my staples mm-hmm. that I'm definitely going to need or my spices that I use across a few different recipes because I I also think it, you know we have our individual tool belts but then maybe we almost have like our sheds or you know like <laughs> our garages our shared spaces and that's where I find it's really great to be talking to others about how do you use book creator wow i had never thought about using it for that in this way that sense of efficiency can be really powerful and I, um, I, what i was going to say too is i think one of the things that's really important to understand is that you need to know what your school district is already doing uh-huh. like it's one thing to say you need an lms but it, you're going to be wasting a lot of time if you're out looking for all these lmss and your school district and most schools especially after the pandemic have an lms system uh-huh. and so one of the things that whenever i'm talking with teachers and with schools is we talk about having circles of support around tech tools and if you can imagine kind of like three circles a big circle with a medium circle and a small circle right the small circles are your essential tools. So as an educator getting ready for another school year, what are the essential 
tools that need to be used and go talk to your, your tech coach, your IT team and say, what tools are required that I use? That might be Seesaw, mm -hmm. Google Classroom. It might be like, we already have a video tool that we will support. We use, you know, and I'll use an example. We use Screencastify. That's the tool and we support that tool. If you use that tool, that's in your center circle, right? These are the, these are the essential tools that you have to have. Then there's like kind of that middle circle and that middle circle are here are the tools that we have that maybe don't hook in with Google Classroom. These are the tools we have that maybe, you know, are we'll support them, but we're supporting them not like we are our core essential tools. And then there's that third circle. And I think, Monica, that's the circle you're talking about that gets the shiny <laughs> stuff, right? It's like oh, I could be using Padlet and I could be using WeVideo. And I mean, there's all these tools out here. How do you as an individual teacher know what your core is? know what, what your district supports. And then only after you know those two, you go out and find the one or two tools that maybe fit that gap, right? And yeah. say like, oh, our district doesn't have a tool that uh, is a creative tool that I can see going across all platforms. I need to go get something like Flipgrid or whatever, you know, book creator or something like that. And, and trying to just, if you can kind of get there, because one of the things that I think is very frustrating, especially if you're a teacher who is changing districts or you're a brand new teacher into a district is to come in and be just like, well, I already know Google Classroom. I'm going to stick with Google Classroom. But now you're in a Microsoft district and you end up Microsoft Teams. You're going to get yourself in trouble going down the wrong road and putting wasting a lot of time. So figure out what those core essentials are, right? I call it circles of support. And I think even as an IT team, if you're an IT director listening to this, do you have a circle of support that you can give to teachers when they come in? A lot of the school districts I work with, that's one of the th one of the first things we create is here's the circle of support. These are the non-negotiables. Here are things that we have subscription services to. And then outside of that, teachers, go, go, you know, wonderlust it, do what you want. Just know that as a district, if you get in trouble, we're probably not going to be able to support you on that. So... Yeah, there's just so much that's out there and available. And even this morning, I led a webinar for a school district in Florida. Last week, I was in Texas and I said the same thing, right? We were looking at a dozen or so formative assessment strategies. I said the same thing to both groups. Please do not do all the things, right? right. Or, you know, please do not do all of these tomorrow, right? These are ideas for you to pick and choose one or two for your routine. And I usually start off with the same reminder. Like, if you know, Monica, can I do this with this tool? Yep, please, right? Stick with it, right? You can do a do now strategy with voice and options for kids with a lot of different tools. And you might have one that's in your tool belt already that you really want to just look at with that new strategy in mind. And again, now that we're talking about saving time, this is a really important, I think, time of the year where in education, we do need to be mindful of our time and energy. Um, it can be, a, I think, a particularly exhausting time to be a teacher, start of the academic year. On a recent episode of your podcast, you went through a variety of, of tips where educators can be saving time. And you mentioned, I love this tip that it's really important to think about how we manage our podcast episodes in our podcast app. Um, I do think that definitely like lightens the load, lightens like that, just that little like micro moment of frustration. Monica, would you talk to us about what some of your go-to podcasts are? And I think critically, because Jeff, I know we get this question all the time, when and where are you fitting in to your existing routine, that time to listen? And again, I think podcasts are a great way for educators to expand our network. So how do you fit that into the work that you're doing? 
Well, I consume a lot of podcasts. I don't remember exactly what my Spotify numbers were at the end of last year, but it was one of those, do I even share this? <laughs> this amount of <laughs> with people, right? Um, it's one of my favorite ways to learn and to um, just hear stories from people. I feel like it's a very, a really powerful medium. And I've been a consumer of podcasts for a long time. I started my podcast in 2019, right? Thinking about that as another medium, right? To connect with people. But, you know, my go-to podcasts are typically in the technology, current events, storytelling space. I'm a big fan of Kara Swisher's podcast. Sway is, I think, coming to an end, but Pivot is one I listen to twice a week. Um, I really love how I built this and hearing stories from founders of different companies. I think there's so much out there. So part of my routine, is that I never have the TV on, you know, maybe the end of the day, I've got some Netflix on or we're watching a movie or something like that. But there is not that steady background noise, if you will, of a TV on in the house or the office or anything like that. I listen to podcasts like it's the radio. So whether I'm driving, whether it's on speakerphone, whether it's with ear AirPods in, if there's someone in my space with me on that particular day or morning. So it's definitely part of my regular routine. And, you know, as much as I love a lot of podcasts, there's a few that are the core, right, every week. And then there's others that I'm happy to look at the topic and say, that's great, but not for me. Or maybe I'll download that and listen to it on an airplane when I'm traveling somewhere. It's not really a time-sensitive piece. And I definitely clear out anything that's a little too topical or current events focused if I can't get to it right away, um, because I know that whatever's newest and freshest is probably what I want to dedicate some time listening to. Right. Thank you so much for those recommendations. Yeah. How I built this with Guy Raz is, is mm-hmm. um, I, I love that show as well. Definitely inspirational. Any of our listeners who teach entrepreneurship, it's such a great show. Uh, you mentioned that you've been writing for Edutopia for about a decade now, and we actually mm-hmm. wanted to go back to a post that I, I can't believe I'm going to say it's old because it's only 2016, but like, wow, that was a while ago now. Um, And again, listeners, we'll make sure the link is over there in the show notes. And it was a 2016 post that looked at using ed tech to have better conversations with the parent and caretaker audience. Again, something that, uh, you know, teachers will be thinking about this time of the year. And the pandemic certainly accelerated that need for better, clearer conversation and communication. As you reflect back on that post, and as educators are thinking about ways that they might connect differently with families this coming year. Is there any advice that you would add on to that post or any advice that you're saying, this is evergreen wisdom, like make sure that you're thinking about this as well? Yeah, well, a lot has happened in six years, right? Since that post went live, some of the pieces of the importance of communicating with families, providing ways for them to know what's going on and for them to get back in touch uh, with a classroom teacher and school is definitely still there. But I think one of the things we saw so much over the past few years is that it can get really noisy if we're not committed to one system, right? So this comes back to that idea of embrace your place, right? Like where is everyone? And if you, as a teacher with the best of intentions, started using one tool because there wasn't other things happening, well, now there are, in most cases, a more robust commitment at a school and district level for communication. You might have something where you are committing right, to giving updates on that platform. And that's your commitment as opposed to finding something new, right? We know that if we want 
this to work, it has to be something that resonates with families. So if they're hearing on three different messages of apps for one of their children, let alone multiple children, right? Your best intentions of getting that message in front of them, they're just on overload, right? We really want to remove as many barriers as we can if we're committed to um, bringing in um, a communication tool or communication routine. So I would say the biggest shift at this point from that article six years ago is that more schools and districts have adopted a system-wide platform and teachers can take that energy and that commitment and how much they value, right, that communication pathways and really lean into those tools that are already there or that have that capacity. That's really good advice because I think if that's not streamlined for families, you're going to get families who just sort of check out or or Mm -hmm. folks that just feel this unnecessary burden of stress. I worked for a school once where a parent said, just keeping up with the communications from the school is like its own part-time job. Mm -hmm. Um, And what was interesting was, you know, that school had decided to just do a concentrated effort to get more testimonials from families about what was working, what wasn't working, what they enjoyed. And I I kind of almost feel like that recalibration can be really important as well. You know, I'm I'm a, a high school educator, And um, what my parent caretaker audience decided at one point was, you know, for the second half of the year, let's really ease off. Like by this point, my child is a young adult. They should, you know, be able to be bringing some of that communication, key communication points to us. Of course, anything that was super urgent would still go to them. But it was sort of this gradual release of responsibility. Um, So I find, again, that that checking in, recalibrating can be really useful, too. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of those things that we saw, you know, that the pandemic really shined a light on was that schools didn't have a clear system of communication for parents. And I think we saw schools scramble to figure out, like, what is the tool? What is our communication cycle? You know, we had teachers that were, I mean, some teachers were, and I'll just use Google Classroom as an example, that were relying just on Google Classroom notifications to do that for them, or they were just relying on, you know, Tool X to do that for them. And and you had teachers and you had parents who like, then as a parent, you had to know like, oh, you know, Miss Burns uses Google Classroom, Miss Freeman uses uh, Remind Me, and Mr. Yu uses a WhatsApp group. Like, and all of a sudden, you as a parent had to try to keep these straight. So by streamlining this, you know, I think that is something that we're seeing come out of this. And as a teacher, know what those systems are, you know, so that you are staying streamlined with everyone else, because there's nothing, nothing worse than having three kids in the school system and getting three, three different ways of communication coming at you. Uh, yeah, that's, that's such a key, key point. You know, we're getting ready to start a new school year. Teachers are just getting back into buildings. I'm finally getting like some email responses of like, Hey, just getting back into the building. Like we're starting to get into that again. As, as we start thinking about this new school year and the work that you're doing with inspiring and, and informing educators, what are some of the conversations that you are having around ed tech? Like what are some like you're feeling or seeing pop up as hot topics right now around ed tech? And then what are some conversations that you hope we we found some momentum with that you're you're really hoping that we get into this school year? 
Yeah, I would say the two big areas that are coming up a lot in conversations, a lot of the coverage that I have on the blog and podcast are around intentions and then ease and efficiency. And those are two areas that I find really circling back to. So I was in Virginia the week before last, uh, working with a group of educators at a regional conference. And we were talking a lot about assessment with the pivoting, right? Like if we're collecting this information, we're using all these great tools to do this and really hear from everyone what are we going to do, right? Once we have that information, right? There's no point in collecting formative assessment data. We're not going to use in some sort of way, right? So let's think about what that pivot or that intention is going to be once we gather that information. So that idea of going beyond, say, um, accessing resources or being able to access technology to say, what are we now doing with this? That is really thoughtful and strategic. That intention piece is definitely one area that a lot of conversations I've had have been around. And then the other is just the ease and efficiency. I think sometimes, you know, we get into this mindset that things that are worth it aren't easy, right? Or, you know, we move away from what we know is true that we can work smarter, not harder with a lot of things, including navigating digital spaces. And one of the favorite conversations I've had this year was after reading the book, Redefining Geek. I spoke with Dr. Cassidy Puckett on my podcast and one of her five habits for kids that I keep bringing up in my conversation with educators is around this idea of efficiencies and shortcuts. Like And really placing value on these things that we sometimes are dismissive of. Because if I know that I can hit a two and a three when I'm in Google Calendar and it shifts me from week view to month view, well, that's a whole bunch of you know my energy I didn't use or you know add up all those moments over the week. And I can take that you know mental energy that I need for a lot of things right and place it somewhere else. If I know the quick shortcut to copy and then paste something so it matches the style of my document, right? And I'm not fuddling through and trying to make everything look a certain way and getting frustrated right along the way, right? That's going to really save me some time and energy. So, you know, that's something we can model for students too. And I've seen that come up a little bit more in conversation. So really just embracing the value and making things easier and more efficient. And then thinking about how we can transfer what is truly a technology skill, a navigational skill to students and really model that process for them along the way. I love that because I and I'm still seeing that as well. Uh, is, and part of the reason why we're creating these courses specifically around Google um, is I just we just released a course about being efficient with Gmail. And wow. it's exactly what you're talking about. It's the keyboard shortcuts. It's the knowing how to archive things. It's mm-hmm. setting up multiple inboxes so that you can keep yourself, you know, organized. I mean, for better or for worse, most teachers use their email as a to do list and not that it's a good mm-hmm. thing but it is what it is. So know how to use it efficiently, right? Save yourself some time, put some learning into that and, and uh, save yourself some time. So, And what I appreciate that. about that though, too, because I know sometimes when we're talking, you know, about this and people will see the shortcut or they'll see even, you know, like bookmarks, having a really, you know, I love that you use the word intention, having an intentional mm-hmm. bookmark space that's really designed for your learning flow you know, sometimes I'll walk folks through how to do that. And yes, it's going to take us a little bit of time, a little bit of a time investment Mm -hmm. to get it set up. And sometimes we'll go through that process and they'll be like, oh gosh, but like, what is that going to save me? Just, you know, like 30 seconds. And I'm like, no, you've Mm -hmm. added 30 seconds every day, every day, (laughs) every single day, add that up. Um, 
And um, I, I think that point is is really important. So just thinking about, as you said, modeling that for students, right? Yeah. And thinking critically mm -hmm. about where are we losing time? Because, yeah. um, you know, when I have that, like that bookmark conversation, I talk about, especially if I, you know, if I've got a task to get done, or I'm trying to get into that state of deep work, if it's not on my bookmarks, I shouldn't be on it. So just the reminder, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to myself here to no one else, like, <laughs> you don't need to lose a lot of time to Twitter, right? For, of course, teenagers, that social piece is likely not going to be Twitter, but thinking about the intention behind doing some of that organization is a reminder to myself, how do I let myself really get focused? You know, we had a conversation with Tyler Rablin a few episodes back about teaching and training for focus. And I think mm -hmm. in a lot of the things that you're just mm -hmm. talking about, um, it is that need to be really intentional with what are we going to put into our digital spaces? Um, and, and how are we going to help ourselves just avoid some of the distractions? Absolutely. And I love what you said about bookmarks, because I would say one of the biggest things I've done this year that's been transformative for me is setting up a Google site page with all my buttons. And that's my homepage. When I open mm -hmm. up a browser, it's there. Click here, click here, click here. Right. And you know what? After the first two weeks of getting just like, the, oh, I forgot about this or let me move this around. I don't think I've changed it very much. Right. In six months, because those really are the only places I spend time and go to. And, you know, it's something that I reflect a lot on in my own practice. I try to bring into conversations with educators and students because I do think it's not always as highly valued as some of the other, you know, tech processes that we encounter, you know, throughout the school day. Yeah. But yeah, well, like some for of those... me personally, for me personally, I have five, I'm, I only allow five links on my bookmark bar. <laughs> right. And to your point, Monica, like once I, I, I change them out every once in a while, but I yeah. find like those five places, like one, like for me, one is Google drive. One is, mm -hmm. um, you know, where I send invoices. One is my calendar link because they're, they're like quick places that I know. Yeah. And if I'm going to add one, I take one out. And so my bookmark bar really is almost like my start page, which I love that. That is such a great hack. Uh, set yourself up a start page with all of your links. That's such a great hack. I love that. Great start the school year hack. Well, and we're having this conversation, the three of us. And I really think for, for anybody who's teaching, especially high school students, having that conversation about what belongs on your bookmark. Yes. Don't just ask each of them to figure that out, but ask them to have it as a conversation. Because Jeff, I would never think to have Calendly like on my mm -hmm. bookmarks, but you're right. I go to that link very often. So again, just that making that learning transparent can be really interesting. Or, you know, again, Monica, as you were saying, identifying what what's on my toolkit. That's, you know, sometimes students don't know about, I should really be thinking about making my, my digital navigation to that resource yeah. seamless. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy person. If people want to find out more about you, uh, want to be able to follow you on social networks, can you maybe give us a, a quick, where should they go? Yeah. So you can find everything at classtechtips.com, my easy ed tech podcast. You can play it right from there or in all the places. Um, and then it's class tech tips on all the social platforms. So no dancing videos on TikTok, but there's some ed tech tips there too. But mostly <laughs> um, Instagram and Twitter is where I like to share updates. Awesome. Monica, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We'll make sure all the links to everything and so that you can reach out uh, to Monica Burns as well over in the show notes. Thank you so much. And uh, here's to another school year. Thank you for having me.